Welcome to That We May Be One, a podcast aimed at sharing the stories and testimonies of our ward members to foster a greater sense of love and community. Hi, sisters. This is Amber Nelson. Today we get to hear from the extraordinary Elixie Hatch. Elixie and her husband Preston have been in our ward for 16 years. They have four kids and one grandson who was just born last month to her daughter Riley, who many of us know. And just for a fun piece of trivia, Riley's baby was 11 pounds. Whoa. Alexi works part-time as an office manager for a local chiropractic office and is currently serving as an advisor for the 16 to 18-year-old young women class. Now for my time to love on Alexi. First, I think she is a very genuine person. I remember a Relief Society lesson she taught where she opened with the question, what are some things in life that are unfair for you? And then she volunteered one from her life that she has really thin hair, and no matter what she tries, she just can't do anything about it. I love that honesty and self-awareness. Second, her love of the Savior is very evident in everything she does. I remember being amazed at her son's mission farewell, where they had tons of friends who were not members of our church visiting. They look like sports team's friends or school friends, and I think that is a testament to Elixie both loving the Savior and being true to herself, that her kids' friends know she and her family believe in Christ, and He is a part of their normal, everyday lives. I hope you enjoy her interview conducted by Nikki Stairs, where she shares how her testimony has grown line upon line through experiences with mental illness in her family, having her childhood dreams restructured after a major knee injury, and being pushed out of her comfort zone with things like ministering and serving as a seminary teacher. Here's Alexi. Hi, everyone. Today I am with Alexi in her home on this rainy February day. Thank you so much for having me in your home today, Alexi. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so too. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a Sabbath day. I'm actually in a rare occasion where I'm home alone. Family's <laughs> out of town, so it's quiet and peaceful, and I'm just enjoying the spirit of this day. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay, so Alexi. We're going to start right off with telling me a little bit about your background, where you come from, your childhood, okay. any hobbies or passions that you might have. Sure. So um, I'm Northern California, born and raised, um, grew up in San Jose, was born there and moved to Sacramento when I was in second grade. Been here ever since. Let's see just a little bit of background about me. I've always been a really active child. Uh, my parents had me in dance, gymnastics soccer, basketball from the time I was five years old. Um, I love the outdoors. I really thrived being outside and, and just enjoying everything active. Um, so that's been kind of a pattern in my life that began when I was five, all the way through high school and college and in my life, and that I passed on to my kids, um, being involved um, actively with our bodies and just enjoying everything. Today, my hobbies are, because I'm older, <laughs> doesn't help. Um, I still love snowboarding. I'm actually going up next week with some ladies in the stake. It's going to be fun. Um, I play pickleball. Um, soccer and basketball are out of the question. Too old. Joints and achy knees don't work anymore. Um, but I love learning new things, whether it's tennis or hiking is one of my past um, passions. Swimming, um, boating, anything like that. It's just fun. I enjoy it. Great. And I know that you have a, an experience with ballet. I do. <laughs> yes. So um, I grew up with a mother who um, she what, had all these wonderful talents. One was just music and singing, and then she was a ballet teacher. And so I feel very like I grew up very well-rounded. Here I was 
dancing in the grass with a soccer ball. And here she was teaching dance in a studio. And because she was a teacher, I got free lessons. So I would go with her from the time I was a little girl, five till about 14 years old is when I had to kind of choose a path. So I grew up learning ballet, learning um, all the gracefulness, the beauty, the body movement, the control, and a very big appreciation for classical music, which I still love today. Mm. That's a great experience. <laughs> yeah. And I know that I've noticed what a cheery disposition you have just in <laughs> <Thanks>. general. <laughs> And I would imagine that is attributed to the fact that you are so active and that you move your body because there is, you know, connection to that with Absolutely. exercise and movement and being outside. And do you think that that's part of it? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, from the time you're little, you learn in primary. Well, I grew up in the church. So this little background that God created the earth and he created it for our betterment, for us to enjoy. And I feel like being active brings um, not only your body in sync and harmony, but also with the spirit of the things of the world that God created in a way. And I think that when you connect those things, it just makes you happy, mm -hmm. makes you just love life. And it really gives me a positive outlook on life, positive mm -hmm. things. So it kind of radiates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great tip for yeah. sure. How many siblings did you grow up with? So there's five of us. Um, You'll know Ryan Taylor in our ward. That's mm -hmm. my my older brother. Um, and I'm second in line. I'm right behind him or right below him, I guess you should say. So there's five of us. There's two boys and three girls. And we all grew up here and we all still live here, except for one just branched off and became the black sheep and moved to Idaho <laughs> in a, like this last year. So we were sad to, to have my sister go, but we're still in contact with her. But so if you see me hugging Ryan at church, it's because he's my brother. <laughs> I don't want to get the wrong idea. So yeah, Ryan, Ta Ryan and Meredith Taylor in our ward. I'm related to. I was sitting behind you guys, I think two weeks ago in church, and I saw your youngest, um, Keaton. Mm -hmm. He was, the Taylors were sitting in front of you guys, and Stetson was turned around, and Keaton and Stetson were sitting there just kind of playing with each other. Yeah. And at, at first, <laughs> I forgot that they were related, and I was like, because I teach Stetson. I'm like, wow, Stetson really you know, connected with, with Keaton really fast. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, they're cousins. <laughs> and it was so cute yeah. just to watch the cousins go back and forth because they're, they're such a big age difference, but you can tell that they have a relationship. Yeah, it was neat because um, I'm recalling this experience and it touched my heart because I'm like, family is so important. Look mm -hmm. at that immediate connection of these cousins. You have a 16-year-old and sets in seven-ish. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> I can remember. Sorry. She has so many, no. so many um, nieces and nephews, but there's an instant connection and instant family love and an instant, like just we're there for each other. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's fun to watch them. Thanks. And yeah, I just imagine like the positive experiences and um, examples that they have with each other, mm -hmm. you know, watching an older sibling or older cousin mm -hmm. grow up and then even, Keaton, who's the youngest, learns from how to interact with the younger child. And, yes. Yeah. I, I thought of that too. I'm like, okay, he's the baby of the family. He doesn't like when I call him that, by the way. <laughs> um, so it's really cool to have younger cousins. And now he's an uncle, which is awesome. Yeah. Right? He's, Riley had her baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he actually, he's visiting her today and he fed her a box. Keaton fed his nephew. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that right? No, that's right. Okay. Yep. His nephew, a bottle. And Riley said it was super sweet. Yeah. So just having those experiences, I think are just helpful in life and meaningful. Yeah. It's really cool how we all connect. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So now that we know a little bit about you and what you're what you enjoy and your family and whatnot, can we just dive into a little bit about Let's do your it. faith journey? Absolutely. Okay. So Alexia, um, let's start off with just describing to me the development of your faith over your lifetime. Yeah, sure. So um, my dad comes from Provo, Utah. His dad was a professor at BYU. Um, he was killed in an accident when he was 12, a scouting accident, and was raised by his mother who provided by playing the piano. And I just think this is important to give a little just history background on my parents. Um, and my mom comes from South Carolina and she met my dad in Provo and they got married and had us five kids. And my dad is an accountant, a CPA, and we moved out to the San Jose area where I was born. And we didn't really live by any family. We had kind of each other. And this is just kind of my upbringing. My parents are very active in the church. Um, they had us taking us to our primary activities, taking us to our, back then it was mutual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> things mm -hmm. have changed a lot in the church with programs and things, but they were always just great examples. We tried to have family home evening when we could, um, and honor and keep the Sabbath day and just cultivate a place where the spirit could dwell in our home. And I think that was huge in my journey, my testimony building experiences, because I noticed a difference between my home and being out in the world or being with my friends or just even going to high school and coming home and realizing man, it's so nice to have a refuge. And I think that was just huge. But um, my husband has a granny, Preston in the ward, his granny, she's passed away now, but she gave me, do you guys remember those tiles and they had like the vinyl sticker lettering yes. on them? Okay. Mm -hmm. Those are really popular for about 10 years, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they still are. I have them all in my house, but anyways, <laughs> it just had one word on it and it said, remember. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool because I look at it and with you um, talking to me about having possibility of this interview being something in the future to have a couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity to remember, to look back on all my experiences in life and to see how my faith has grown. And what a, what a huge blessing to reminisce and to remember that it wasn't anything grand or big or massive. It was just really simple and line up online and you know testing my faith trusting god and little experiences over a period of time that since i can remember when i was a little girl until adulthood that have really strengthened my testimony and built my faith mm -hmm. it's funny that um when you say that about remember that was something that my old bishop in my old ward he that was his favorite word was remember and that's all over the book of mormon too mm -hmm. remember because um, it means it can mean anything to anybody, but it helps you to like just remember who you are, remember mm -hmm. where you come from, remember the things you're taught. Mm -hmm. It's it's powerful. It's a really strong word. Yeah. So I love that she had that in her house too. I I think too, hearing you say that, I love that I see the word remember because ten years ago it meant something different to me. Yeah. As just like when we read a scripture or listen to a conference talk or a phrase or read a book again that we'd enjoyed, we get something different out of it every time. And that reminds me there's just a time for every season. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not expected to be super women and to do it all, do it all at once. Our, our testimonies aren't meant to happen all at once. We're not supposed to have a perfect testimony and a perfect knowledge of everything. It's just one of those slow, beautiful processes is God's refining us into the women he, and daughters of God he wants us to be. And it's just cool to look back and remember, I'm going to put that word in there, 
and just see my journey and see how far I've come. And I honestly, here goes the cheery disposition you think I have. <laughs> I'm super positive. I can't wait to be more, you know, I hope to become more and to be, you know, what he wants me to be. Yeah, I absolutely agree to that. It's everything you're saying. Um, and I think what, I, what really stood out to me was the fact that you said that, you know, we need to be patient and that things come a little by little mm -hmm. and, um, which come. Which brings me back to my old bishop again, mm -hmm. because he talked about um, like bricks, the bricks of our foundation and how when we would learn something, that's a brick, that's just a brick. And so it was like, it was line upon line, little mm -hmm. by little, because mm -hmm. you look at a house, it's made up with however big the house is, right? It could right. be thousands of bricks. <laughs> yeah. And we have to be, you know, just patient and mm -hmm. recognize those bricks, Yeah, you know, in our foundation. I like that. I like that imagery that with the brick lane and the foundation. Mm -hmm. um, I think too, sometimes those bricks can fall down. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the beautiful thing of it is that you can rebuild. I think there's always mercy and love that you need to show yourself um, in your testimony building and realize that it's, it's an opportunity to strive to learn and to be, but it might take a whole lifetime or yeah. even beyond to, to get there. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like bricks. preserving a brick house, right? Absolutely. Bricks get, they get cracks in them. They crumble like just certain bricks or just a, a portion of the house mm -hmm. can become weak. Yeah. And then if you want to maintain the integrity of that house, if you're taking care of your house, you need to go over to that one section mm -hmm. and, and maintain it. Yeah. But if you don't maintain it, then it crumbles. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Strengthen it. Yeah. I like that. Great. Anything else you want to share with how your faith was built or little um, things? Um, I, I would love to hear, you know, just the line upon line part, right? Like, mm -hmm. so what have you done to help strengthen that or recognize, you know, those bricks in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, experiences began around that I could remember when mm -hmm. I was like 12, like, you know, that pivotal time in your life where you're not borrowing your parents' testimonies or your mm -hmm. parents' light, but you're realizing that you're separating from them and walking your own path. And you're like, okay, do I believe in God? Do I believe the scriptures are true? Do I want to follow this path? And I think I had opportunities to test that faith, um, whether it was in making decisions, choosing the friends I hung out with, choosing not to go to a party or to go to a party, choosing not to play um, sports on the Sabbath day or certain things. Those were experiences that really helped me get to where I want to be. Um, I think the biggest one was having a relationship with him. It's huge. Realizing who your savior is and why he did what he did for us. Um, I learned that. And, and you know what? This is going to go out to all those people that are in seminary right now. I know, I know youth don't listen to these podcasts, but I didn't pay attention at all in four years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really hard. I was just kind of all over the place. But Gerald Lund wrote a book um, called um, Fishers of Men, the Kingdom and the Crown series, where it incorporated kind of similar to the movie out TV series out today, um, The Chosen. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to it, but it's a book about our about the New Testament. And it was nonfiction and fiction combined together to give me the, the timeline of our savior. And that during those, those years really helped me understand um, the scriptures better. 
and really want to get to know my Savior better and to love him. So just just little experiences through prayer, line upon line, day by day, um, making this decision to counsel with my parents, um, to understand what covenants I made at baptism and understand the meaning of them and the purpose. Mm -hmm. And as I kept those things, I was blessed. And I'm not saying I was blessed like physically or blessed with all these friends and blessed with everything I wanted as a, as a young person, but um, I was filled with joy. I was filled with love and um, it humbled me and made me realize how important individual people are and how much God loves all his children and that we're all here together to help each other. So that was kind of how it grew slowly in my life. <laughs> so what I'm hearing at the bottom of, of all that is choice, is mm-hmm. decision. You made a decision. I mean, because everyone makes a decision, right? You make a decision whether you want to go left or right, mm-hmm. or if you want, like, if you want to pursue certain things. And so you're you made a decision to pursue, you know, God's way or the church or the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, because at those ages, and well, I guess at anybody's age, you can make a decision whether you want to pursue, you know, more savory things in life, right? But you. It was all just the direction that you, that you decided to take yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then you were able to see the fruits of those labors of those choices. Yeah. I love how you summarize that because that's the truth of it right there. I think it was testing. Yeah. Okay. Choosing to do this and realizing this is the way I want to go. Yeah. This is how I'm happy as opposed to choosing this way. Yeah. Nobody can see what I'm doing with my hands, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? People. <laughs> yes. No, I love that. I like yeah. how you kind of summarize that. Yeah. And I, th- and I think like you said, it doesn't matter your age because your testimony is going to be new at any point in your life. Mm-hmm. But, and then like, I think part of that was just, you tested it, you made a decision, you experienced it, and then you decided how you felt. Yep. So Processed I think. It. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the outline of that, right? Of like, we should be aware of how we feel within our decisions. Mm-hmm. And like, if I'm not feeling great, what? It, why is that? What am I doing in my life? What, how am I thinking? What am I, what am I pursuing? Yeah. You know, and see where your mind is. I like how you said pursuing, because I think priorities. Yeah. I mean, at this pivotal moment in my life, where I was deciding to trust God and keep on his covenant path in my high school young age of testimony building. My goal, my dream, okay, everyone's going to laugh. You ready for this? I wanted to play on the women's Olympic soccer team. I love it. (laughs) I did. I mean, that was my priority, right? I just, I love soccer. I loved my teammates. I loved everything I learned from being on a team. Mm -hmm. Um, Discipline, hard work, teamwork, team building, um, positive encouragement. You know, you had your ups and downs. That's you get good and bad from being playing sports. But those are the things I got out of it. And that was my direction. I was like, I'm going to go play in college. I'm going to go do this. But God had a different plan for me. And I was more than happy to accept it and realize that it's okay to have big dreams and not have them come true. But that doesn't mean I never quit playing soccer or being a soccer trainer. I just had other opportunities to share that skill or that talent or that desire in a different way. And I thought that was yeah. really cool. Kind of going back to Helena's interview mm-hmm. where she was like, everybody, you know, you, you get discouraged when those doors close. Mm-hmm. Then you ask yourself, well, what else can I do? Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the key to life. 
And then that's where God opens up the opportunities for us. Yeah. And honestly, I've never been disappointed with the opportunities. Um, when one door closes or one dream gets bam, bam, bam with a hammer yeah. <laughs> shut down, I guess you could say. Yeah. I just feel like I was blessed tenfold for following what the spirit guided me to do mm-hmm. as opposed to not. I love that. It's pretty cool. Accepting his will. Exactly. Yeah. Accepting his will and realizing that he has that eternal express, uh, expressive, <laughs> eternal, um, what's the word? Perception? Pers- yeah. Or... <laughs> Perspective. There you go. He knows the grand picture. <laughs> I Sometimes I'm seeing right in front of me, right? I'm just trying to get day by day, but he knows what's in store and he, he sees the grand picture. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I know we've talked about your family and I would love to know a little bit about which family relationships have really impacted you throughout your life. Yeah. Okay. So just first of all, I love my family. My siblings and I all get along and I'm not joking. (laughs) I mean, I have a lot of people, we just, we just adore each other and, um, we never fight. So I don't know how that happened. I feel very blessed. Um, we get along, but so my sister, I have, well, I have two sisters, one was born when I was 16. Very cool experience. Um, I got married and she was like a flower girl. She was like three and a half mm-hmm. and it was super cute. And I adored her and I learned a lot about raising little babies and preparing for motherhood, I guess you should say. But um, the other one, we're only 18 months apart, my sister and I. And we're your part exactly in school. We shared a room our whole lives. Um, complete opposites um, in a lot of ways but very complimentary to our, our personalities. And we think a lot the same way too, which is really cool. But we didn't really have a close relationship until um, my junior year of high school and her sophomore year of high school. Um, that's whenever a lot of things went downhill and going back to telling you how God had a different plan for me. I had a serious knee injury um, and was out for a whole year of sports and had reconstructive surgery on my knee, had to heal, had to go through therapy. And I relied upon my family a lot to help me recover. And I had to rely upon my family a lot to fill the void of not having an activity. Um, I remember going through some hard times of like anger, frustration. I don't know what to do with myself. And it was there that my heart turned towards my family and pursuing one-on-one relationships with them and nurturing those. Oh, I love that. And building them. And man, was it beautiful to know that my sister who I loved, but I really got to know her that year and we became best friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a foundation and a stepping stone for this next incident that happened in our lives. But I graduated. It was hard for me to leave school. I went to UVU up in Utah Norm, where I met my husband, um, graduated high school. And let's see. So about eight months into my semester. So in the spring, um, I get a call. My sister, who's a senior in high school from my parents saying that hey, you know what? Your sister um, is having a hard time. Um, This is what's going on. And, you know, we didn't have phones back then or cell phones, so we weren't really in a lot of communication. Um, I think I had to call collect to call home on Sundays, Mm -hmm. if I recall back in the day, or use a pay phone. (laughs) But, um, and he just said that she's been having a really hard time. And they brought out these words that I've really never connected before with people. This is about 25, 20, no, I'm sorry. This is longer than that. This is almost 30 years ago. And they're like, your sister is struggles with a mental illness. And I'm like, okay. 
So like, how bad is it? Like what's going on? You know, this just wasn't something talked about very much back during those times. And they said, well, she, she's been having some hallucinations and she's actually in a mental institute. And I just remember my heart breaking and thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not there. What can I do to help her? What's going on? And my parents were so sweet. They, they bought me a ticket. I flew home that weekend and I got to go visit my sister in this hospital. It's the only way I could see her because she was admitted for a couple of weeks until they could figure out what was going on. Um, long story short, lo and behold, she um, was diagnosed with bipolar. And if those that are familiar with bipolar, you get manic and high and that can lead to hallucinations. It's the only time she's ever hallucinated and hasn't since, which is just a miracle and a blessing. And then you can get really low, so depressed um, that doesn't go away. It's just polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, your body's just cycles through that, that process. Anyways, this experience um, really helped me to realize that we never know what people are going through. We never know their full story or their struggles and how important it is to be kind and to be loving. But most importantly, because I love my sister so much, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to just take it away and help her. But I also felt scared and inadequate. And I had a lot of doubt, like, well, who am I? What am I supposed to do? And I think we had this conversation before, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to help her. I'm not a professional. I don't know anything that's going on. And it was just so cool because I remember praying fervently. I was just, you know, when you love somebody so much and you want to help them and you can't, don't know how to really do it, I pray. You know, I, I pray today. I pray that, well, I use the same strategy nowadays is what I'm trying to say. If I don't know how to help somebody, I ask God to help me help them. Mm-hmm. But it was just really cool. It was just a really um, neat experience for me to learn that I can help her. Mm-hmm. God told me that you can. He says, you don't need to be the professional. You don't need to be the doctor and you don't need to fix her. Mm -hmm. You just need to hold her hand when she needs it. You need to listen when she needs it. And you need to love her unconditionally without judgment. And um, there obviously are things we can do to educate ourselves. Don't get me wrong, which I did turn to and and tried to educate myself on the situation. But everybody is so unique and handles their own mental illness in a different way. Um, And obviously we have... I love the fact that we can turn to modern medicine for help too, because I've seen it bless the lives of many people and help them cope with um, mental illness in their life. But that really opened my eyes up to realize that um, mental illness is real. It happens. And I can't take it away. Um, That was really humbling for me. this is something that my sister will have her whole mortal journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, then, and then the beautiful thing is it's not a crutch. It's just something she gets to, she is dealing with, with her spouse and her four wonderful kids. She's lived a really abundant, beautiful life and um, is super happy. But um, just reminds me that we all have trials and struggles and they're all going to be different. But with God's help and with the help of our loved ones, we can endure them. So there's so much there. There's yeah, that so was much. a lot. Sorry. No, it's so good. <laughs> Loaded. It's so good. It's such a great... I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, um, I think about what it was like in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in like like the last 10 years, we've, we've been much better about, you know, awareness with mental illness. 
and our viewpoint of mental illness was completely quiet or uh, misunderstood. Yeah. Right. I love that. And so I am so curious about how your family, you know, just kind of dealt with that and Mm -hmm. how you process that. And if your relationship changed or if not too long into it, but I'm curious a little bit about your family. And Mm -hmm. then, cause I'm sure that, you know, if it would have happened nowadays, it would have been a different conversation that might've happened within your family possibly, or how did that look and how did, how have you guys processed this as a family and how has it brought your family together? Um, you know what, honestly, I I'm going back to how I said, how close my family is. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have, we would have handled it different today as we would have then. Okay. I really feel that we all pulled together um, and strengthen one another. And we're just there for each other. You know how you talked about that brick house. Mm -hmm. I feel like it is our brick house of our testimony and things that are going on. But when parts of ours are weak, whether they're from just trials in our life, which can come in the form of mental illness or physical challenges or anything, our family fills those bricks Mm -hmm. and they support us and they help us. And I just feel like our family work together really good. And I think we would do the same today. Okay. Um, I think That's it's been so really good though, be- just real quick, because yeah. um, having a family history of that has really helped going forward with kids and grandchildren and so forth. And knowing that it's a possibility that these are genetic in a sense, and they can be passed on and how to deal with it, which is really cool. So do you have open conversations as a family about the genetic disposition and how mm-hmm. do you handle that? Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually talk about a lot. We share stories and we share what has helped you? What medicines have helped your your daughters or your sons? What coping mechanisms have you used? I think it's been really resourceful and mm-hmm. helpful because I think as family genetics go, I think we react the same way to certain um, chemical makeup dispositions and things like that. So it's been really helpful in helping people mm-hmm. and just realizing, you know what? They could be having a hard time. Be mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. Yeah. Give them some leeway and realize who cares if they're not acting their age or if they're not (laughs) perfect or if they're not doing what they're supposed to sometimes because they're learning their own, they're on their own path. So beautiful. I love that so much. Thanks. Um, How do you handle that with your, with your own children as far as this conversation or even understanding that they have this genetic disposition, even though they might not be feeling it right now, Mm -hmm. you know, like, is there that understanding or do they, do they do things in their life? that might be preventative mm-hmm. from, you know, feeling yeah. a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. So um, having good conversations about it and, and always going, uh, and they love their aunt to death and they know every, they know that she struggles with this. And um, I just think it's cool. It makes them more aware. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to have those conversations and discussions with your children. Like, just so you know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be happy for a long period of time. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be nervous. But I tell my kids, hey, when some of those feelings become prolonged for long periods of time and they're disrupting your life, whether you stopped enjoying an activity for over a year or you decide that I'm not doing that because I'm scared. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're keeping you from attending school or... um, when they're disrupting your life, you might need to get help. The functioning of your yeah, life. Yeah, thank you. Yes. There's the word. <laughs> but you get my process, what I'm yeah. trying to say. So I just think just having them be aware of that 
and just say, hey, if you ever need help, come to me. Talk to me. Okay. I'm here to help you. Yeah. And I've noticed that sometimes, I mean, this is a topic for a different, for a longer conversation, but some mental illnesses, there are aspects of it that can become a superpower. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I agree hundred percent right there. <laughs> yeah. They just have to be honed mm-hmm. and they, with the right medicine or the right skill tactics or the right, you know, just the understanding of your own behaviors and mm-hmm. needs, yep. they can be um, controlled yeah. and that they can actually be something that betters your life because you have certain skills and out- outlooks on life. I love that you said that the positive side to all this is that I admire my sister deeply. I mean, she's such a great example to me and she's learned to hone these things, learn to self-recognize the way she feels and the way she acts. And when she's becoming a little too high or too low mm-hmm. and being able to adjust and cope. And I, I, I just admire her. She's just, she thrives. You know, how many mm-hmm. people can say, you know what? I have this and I'm thriving. Yeah. In my, you know, yeah. And I just think that's cool. Yeah, it's a great so, example that just because you might be diagnosed with bipolar disorder doesn't mean that you can't have everything you want as far as like a family, children, functionality, mm-hmm. that there are, there are ways that we can all, you know, find our way yeah, through life. For sure. Great. I agree. Yeah. I like that. Me too, for sure. So um, now that you're an adult, you had that experience growing up as a child Um, and I know you've said that your faith has been developed line upon line. Tell me a little bit about your testimony in this church and in the gospel, um, and how it's been nurtured as an adult. Yeah. I love that. How I've nurtured it as an adult. Um, honestly, uh, the nurturing has come through, um, serving and through callings in the ward, um, being a full-time mom, right? Four kids under your belt, three different schools, activities, everything going. You really have to take time out of your life and, and prioritize and put God first and nurture that testimony. Because if you're not nurturing it, guess what? It's not being strengthened with that brick wall and it can crumble at any time. You mm-hmm. get weakened. And um, I feel like God has really blessed me and asked me to serve out of my comfort zone in many times throughout my life. And that's scary sometimes, you know, it's like, why me? Mm-hmm. You want me to do what? <laughs> Are you serious? Okay, well, here we go. And I really feel that my callings have honed me, um, dialed me in to the gospel. Um, yes, compelled sometimes to work harder and dig deeper into the scriptures I mean, just as opposed to naturally doing it, but what a blessing and what a joy. And if I could just tell you two callings that are my scariest Mm -hmm. real quick Mm -hmm. and everyone's, you can laugh at this if you want, but ministering scares me. Okay. Tell me more about this. And I want to, I want to share this just because I don't think you're alone. Okay. I know you're not alone. Ministering scares me. Okay. Cause I've heard so many people's different feelings about it. Um, is it ministering or is it just, was it, was it visiting teaching that scared you or is it just ministering? Like, is it the whole calling? Okay. This is the part that scares me. Okay. I love people. Mm-hmm. I have no problem getting to know people and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. But do people love me? Do they want me to talk to them? 
Okay. That scares me. And this is the other thing is you hear people say, you know what? I'm just an assignment. I'm just Mm -hmm. an assignment to you. Okay. So let's just think about this for a second. I'm an assignment. Yes. I was assigned three to four people's names to look after you. And hopefully the idea and the goal is to become your friend and a blessing in your life somehow, or the other way around, you're going to bless my life, right? It's a two-way thing Mm -hmm. in my opinion, but the gospel is a house of order. Okay. We have to organize it for, it needs to be organized in order for it to work. So yes, you know what? You are an assignment, but you're an assignment from God, right? Let's say I was ministering to you, Nikki, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know you. He's saying, I love Nikki. I want you to learn to love her like I do. Oh, I love that. Okay. If you look at ministering in a perspective that it's meant to be in, it changes the whole process of it. So I want you to get to know her because she's amazing and you can learn something from her and you can learn to love each other. Even though you have nothing in common, you might have an age gap. You don't know who each other are, but I'm not there. You're my hands. Go and minister to them because I can't, but I know you can and I want you to do that. So when I remind myself that that's the purpose of it, it makes it so much easier, but it's scary. Because I have to actually tell myself that all the time. Because mm-hmm. I really feel like, okay, I'm going to send a text. I don't care if I don't get anything back. That's not the purpose of it, right? This is not about me. But what if they're like, oh, she's reaching out to me just because she has to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm afraid of that. I don't yeah. like that. I, I know people do that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's natural. It's not nothing. I'm not like criticizing people that do that. I'm just saying it's a natural thing. Yeah. So how can we change that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, I just thought I'd share the ministering part. No, I <laughs> scares me. So I I just want to share that, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I think we've all heard that in really study lessons about, you know, we are his hands where we're, we need to love this person like God would or Jesus would because he can't be here. But I think what really touched me when you said that was you said, I and you like you said it as if God was actually saying it. Mm-hmm. You personalized it as if He was saying that. And for me, that was like that was that that just carried more power and yeah. um, just made it more realistic to me. Of like, mm-hmm. I'm not here, so I need you to get to know her and love her, mm-hmm. like I love her. Mm-hmm. And that just I don't know. It just hit me of like that's exactly what. He's saying to us. It's exactly what he's saying. But that's what he's saying in all our callings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So real quick to switch gears if yes. you're okay. So second calling was the seminary. And I know your husband's a seminary teacher mm-hmm. this year. Um, okay. I taught seminary for four years. Scary thought, right? Here's 18 to 25 youth that you need to show up every morning, early morning with, with scripture discussion to help their testimonies grow. And I am not a scriptorian. Um, I have an associate's degree. I'm not like super educated, right? You know, I'm just, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. I'm just me. And then I'm like, okay, I can think of it that way. But I learned some amazing things during those four years. And they're really simple. One, um, when you become a teacher, which we all are, whether you're in a teaching calling or not, we're all teachers, right? The key is um, prayer preparation. And I'm not talking over exuberant preparation, simple and basic, right? Because you know what? You're not the teacher. The Holy Ghost is. 
And that's the third one is the Holy Ghost. So prayer, preparation, and the Holy Ghost. My job is to go, show up, study the scriptures with these youth, have good discussions, and get out of the way and let the Holy Ghost do its job. Mm -hmm. And that's really nurtured my testimony and helped me grow um, as a person. And it's it's been an awesome, amazing experience. So um, I know my daughter mm -hmm. had you as a teacher, Brenna. Oh, and I Ava love too. Brenna. <laughs> Ava's was hard, though, because it was... It was Zoom. COVID. It was yeah. Zoom and nobody <laughs> wanted to be there. <laughs> I did, but no. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. But they loved you. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> Brenna had you more face to face and she just loved you so much. Aww. And I think the the thing is, is that you have a willingness about you, right? And that you're, you're trusting in God. And I think that's infectious. And I think that's what, what I gain from you when you speak or show your testimony is mm -hmm. like, your faith and your testimony and your willingness. Just in general, when you speak, I have noticed that, that I can tell you make decisions considering what the Spirit's telling you. You're very connected to the Spirit. And so I think just having that foundation, mm -hmm. and then when someone says, I need you to do, to do this hard thing, mm -hmm. you've already built that trust up with God because yeah. you're being led by Him every day. Yeah. And then this new thing comes in your life, and you're like, Okay, God. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, but you have to yoke yourself with him because you can't do. I can't do it alone. How do you do that? Humility, um, trust, letting yourself go, realizing that you are who you are, and there's also. And this is not. I'm not saying this about me, but realizing that there's something unique and special about you, and God is giving you spiritual gifts. And the purpose of life is for us to bless each other, lift each other, and help everyone draw closer to our Savior, right? So he's always going to be there to help you. He's never not going to be there. I can honestly tell you, I have, when I've asked for his help in my serving in any calling, he's always there. Things might not be perfect. You may not be fully prepared. You may lack the knowledge you need to teach or to present or whatever you're doing, but he makes up the difference. Always, 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. But you have to let go and trust that. But you got to do your part too. Mm -hmm. You got to nurture that by living close to the Spirit, keeping those commandments by being obedient, and then allowing Him to lead and guide you. Mm -hmm. It sounds simple, but it's not. Mm -hmm. it, <laughs> it takes practice. And luckily, I had four years of that yeah. to practice that. Um, so what a blessing. Um in my life. And, and I, and I love how you said, um, I guess I never pinpointed it, how I live. I do, I do listen to the spirit a lot. I think recognizing how you feel it is really important. It shouldn't be this big grand grandiose thing. Like, Oh my gosh, light bulb goes on. I know how to listen to the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. It's every day you can feel it. If you want to, if you ask Heavenly Father, show me, help me, guide me. He will. And we all feel it different. And I think that's important is recognizing how we feel the spirit. And when we know something is right, we're spiritual beings having a mortal experience. Let's connect to that spiritual side and then live the mortal journey instead of the other way around. Mm, yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's hard to do, but it, 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 it happens. Mm -hmm. I feel very blessed to, to really, um, just love, I love my Heavenly Father. I love my Savior, Jesus Christ. And they're my number one priority. If you put them first, all else falls into place. 
And I've seen that by the practice, by practicing it here mm -hmm. in my life. Thank you. When you're saying I couldn't see myself being a seminary teacher, that's scary. Yeah. I'm sure the rest of us, when we heard your name being called, we were like, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. <sighs> but if you only knew how in. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's crazy. So thank you for normalizing your yeah. your experiences, too, that, you know, sure. even though, um, you know, that it's scary that. Uh, that you that you went about doing it as well so thank you and thank you for your service to all of our kids for four years and by the way i didn't listen to seminary for the, my years either like, <laughs> i didn't either <laughs> it was hard and not that i didn't have good ones but yeah yes yeah. everyone everyone's experience was different everyone's is different yeah but Absolutely. i'm glad that i did it yeah glad that I went. same here same yeah. here <laughs> so we're kind of getting to the end of our our interview together and I just want to finish off our interview by asking you, you've been in this ward for 16 years, yeah. right? 16 years, yes. 16 awesome years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would love to hear what you love about our ward. Yeah. Um, first of all, <laughs> I've been to a lot of wards over the years, not necessarily living in them, but just visiting and being around. And there's no place like our home ward. <laughs> it's just awesome. I've had so many people come visit and be like, there's a really good feel here. Mm -hmm. I really like this. I really enjoyed that Sunday school class or the Relief Society class, or um, I just felt very welcomed. Mm -hmm. And I and I think that's huge. I think um, a smile goes a long way or a wave or um, inviting someone to sit by you. It's huge. And I've seen that through the 16 years that I've been here. And I'm not saying everyone's had those experiences and felt the same way. Um, we all have different perceptions, but it's so cool to have, um, my kids' testimonies and examples of our ward members from primary teachers to their, you know, youth teachers. And, and now I have um, a son out on a mission because of these amazing leaders and teachers in our ward that cared about him, that mattered, right? And it's just cool. I see so much service behind the doors. Um, of course, you see a lot more of that service when you have a calling like in a Relief Society presidency and you hear all the little stories. But the beautiful thing is, is I know they're going on. Mm -hmm. I know that they're happening. And I think that's the way God wanted it to be. He wanted us to be a family of just building each other up and being there for each other. Um, he knows that this world is hard. Our Savior lived it. It was hard, right? He was our example. But it's just so cool to feel like you belong and a part of something, even though you might be different or unique or not feel like you do. Does that make sense a little bit? Mm -hmm. you're, it's just something you're a part of, I guess. <laughs> I'm rambling. It's the end. I'm tired. But it's an amazing ward. That's all I have to say. Roseville's second ward. I've survived. We've survived like four different boundary changes, and it's just been awesome. We're just really happy for all the new people that just moved in and for all those that have been there in longer than I have, and they're still there. It's cool. So um, can I ask you one last question yeah, about sure. this ward? Mm -hmm. And it is such a dynamic mm -hmm. and changing ward yeah we get new people and old people you know all mixed up in there and yeah. new people are coming all the time and we're <laughs> seeing them every week you know wonderful people coming in and then people leaving um what kind of advice do you give for someone who's coming into this ward or maybe trying to find their home their their, their friend base you know yeah. and where they belong yeah i think um you can't sit back on the sideline. 
to use a sports analogy, mm-hmm. you know, people have busy lives and priorities and families and nobody's not meaning to include you or involve you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, when the opportunity presents itself and someone says, hi, get to know them, talk to them, exchange numbers, ask around, be proactive, mm-hmm. be like, Hey, do you know someone who has kids, my kids ages that maybe that might, we might be good friends with and I can give them a call or an email. Do you know what I mean? Just be yeah. proactive. Don't be on the sidelines, get yeah. involved. Um, show up to the activities, go to the park days. Um, we have an awesome, uh, pickleball group mm-hmm. and a lot of people have joined, come and join us. You know, you don't have to know how to play. You pickleball. don't know how to play pickleball. <laughs> you don't even have to have athletic shoes. No. Come in your flip flops. If you want, <laughs> you don't have to have any equipment, <laughs> but I think just be involved. Yeah. Just, just, you have to make an effort and that's how I feel in everything in life. You can't just sit and wait for things to happen to you. If you yeah. want something to happen, you have to make it happen. When you said that reminded me of when the first couple weeks that I was in this ward five and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. I met Melissa Hayward Mm -hmm. and I love her so much. She was the best. (laughs) (laughs) She introduced herself Uh and then she asked me about my kids and where we're going to school. And then she grabbed my phone and put her contact in it and her husband's and her gate code, everything. (laughs) And I was like, here you go. Now you got me. And I was like, that was amazing. Yeah. To feel that confident and comfortable and to share that much about her, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, just to help me feel more comfortable with her. So that's the kind of people we have in this ward. Yeah. It's awesome. I I mean, there's no better word for it. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Alexi. I've, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed sitting here on your couch together. <laughs> Always fun talking with you, Nikki. And, you know, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. I think it's scary for all of you out there that might be asked to be on this podcast. But take a leap. Take a, take a leap of faith. We all learn from you and your examples and your life stories. That's what makes us better. And, again, like the whole purpose of it is that we can be one, right? Yeah we can be one and grow from each other's experiences. So thank you. It's been a blessing. I am grateful for Elixie sharing her experiences. As I recall, when Nikki first asked her to be on the podcast, she felt like she didn't have the same kind of stories to share as maybe some of the other people who have been on. I can definitely relate to having a testimony that has been built little by little not feeling like I have earth-shattering experiences that taught me God is there and loves me, but just being tutored line upon line by the Spirit about eternal truths. I think it's important that we realize this is how testimony works for some people. I remember as a missionary, my companions putting me on the spot with investigators to share how I learned the Book of Mormon was true. Plenty of missionaries had remarkable experiences with direct revelation, but I had simply grown up reading and studying it and just always knew it was God's Word. I think I felt a little embarrassed about that at first, that I didn't have, quote-unquote, a good story. But the more I've thought about it, the more I realize what a blessing it has been in my life to always just have known. So if you are like me and Elixie, and you feel your faith has grown so incrementally that you don't feel you have huge revelatory stories to share, just know you are not alone. Heavenly Father works with each of us on our individual paths of faith. One more big thank you to Elixie and Nikki for this great interview. Please let Elixie know that you listened and what parts you loved takes a lot of courage to come on this podcast and bear your soul to the world. So a little acknowledgement that it was worthwhile is always appreciated, I'm sure. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.